is just a star, mate. Clearly on top for me. Arcadia Queen is running on. 200 to go. Russian Camelot has a race. Arcadia Queen coming at Russian Camelot. Russian Camelot, Arcadia Queen. Arcadia Queen first look at 2000 is going to turn over Russian Camelot. Arcadia Queen elected a quarter Russian Camelot. I remember watching it back thinking, this bike might be pretty smart, I reckon. Nivana Hood, but the autumn sun goes for the lead at the 200 metres, puts up a length and a half, two lengths, Vasilator, and extends the autumn sun, three or four lengths in front, a serious racehorse, the autumn sun, blazes in spring, burns in six lengths. G'day legends and welcome back to another episode of the Second Again Racing Podcast. I'm Nick, joined by Jacko and we are at that time of the year where the text messages are going off. You know, every mm. is coming out of the woodwork to see what you like in the big race. And look, what we've decided to do is we've just decided to come on here for half an hour, answer all the questions, well, not any fan interaction questions, but just answer all the <laughs> questions that you might have. If someone messages me, just going to send them the link. Mm. just send them the tip sheet and also a link to the potty mate simple as but it's that time of year like you say that there's uh those 10 to 15 people that you don't speak to for 11 and and uh, a half months they all of a sudden start coming out of the woodwork so we still love you as long as you're listening to the potty always welcome but um yeah we'll be we'll have the the link copy and pasted ready to go now it's obviously one of australia's greatest races it's probably the greatest race in terms of um commercial commercial wise i know the real diehards we love the cox plate and races like that but in terms of worldly it is really one of the biggest races in the world and it's definitely one of the biggest moments we have in the country sport wise um what do they say it's the race that stops the nation and it really does like schools stop to watch it people's workplaces stop to watch it there's bloody pools and kiddies going on everywhere whether you like the race or not it's a special occasion yeah, for sure. It's even still a public holiday in Victoria, mate. So luckiest players, those guys out there tomorrow, they can just go enjoy the source and anyone else who's got the day off. So uh, present company excluded. Hope everyone enjoys the day, but I'll certainly be watching with a keen eye, mate. Looking forward to it. Have you actually done a cup before? Yeah, a couple of times. A couple of oh. times down there. Uh, I was down there last year and I was down there for Val and Declare's Cup as well when uh, obviously Il Paradiso. I don't want to bring up some old sore wounds, but We'll leave that for another day. But yeah, been down there, mate. Awesome spectacle. One thing I would like to do is go the full week, your Derby Day, um, you know, into the Cup Day, Oaks Day, and then finish on Stakes Day. I just think that would be basically the holy grail of a punting career. And the casino on the Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, just to make sure you hit absolutely everything that you own. Um, <laughs> got a few really good jockeys coming over. So we've got Ryan Moore, uh, Zach Purton, Joe Marrera, Holly Doyle, uh, Kohai Matsuyama, and then we got a couple more. I'm just having a look through here. No, and Dylan Gibbons and Mark Duplessis. So they're, they're coming as well. <laughs> We've got jockeys coming from absolutely everywhere. It just speaks volumes about the race. I think it's worth about seven and a half million or something now. Mm. 3,200 meter handicap. So they do not get missed, these horses. They definitely deserve a pretty good feed after this. Um, but let's go through. So what we're going to do, we're going to go from market from favourite through to the bottom. And then we're going to do a runner by runner as we like to do for our big races. So top of the market is, Vor- is we're going with Vauban or Vorban? 
I've been saying Vorban all week, but haven't been corrected. So I'm rolling with it. Yep, done. So it's Vorban four sixty without a fight is seven dollars. Gold trips there at seven dollars fifty. Absurd nine bucks. Sulcum nine fifty. Last Ocha Ochka is seventeen dollars. Future history eighteen dollars with breakup. Vow and Declare is twenty six with military mission and more felons. Right you are is thirty one dollars. Serpentine thirty fives. Alan Kerr is $41 with Ashrun. Kalapore is $51 backing up from the weekend with Darshan Sweet Jr. at 80s. Interpretation is there after its win to get itself in the race the other day. Akita Sushi is $91. Then we got the triple figure horses. So Shiraz Fawala is 126 as well as Magical Lagoon and True Marvel. And Virtuous Circle, would you believe it or not, one of your tips for last year at around 26 bucks is 150 to 1. My old mate, unfortunately, he's not a chance this year, the old bugger. Serpentine doesn't have Knight's order here this year to soften him up, so I think they're going to take advantage of barrier one and try and lead this up. Vorban is going to be all about intent. Maybe they're looking for at least one pair of cover to try and get their best opportunity, but they will be somewhere on the speed, especially drawn down low. Magical Lagoon to go forward. Future History, I think, will try and boot forward from the middle barrier. Military Mission is another one that, that can uh, show speed. Right, you are settled close to the speed in the Caulfield Cup as well. So I think they're the first five or six in running. Others like True Marvel and potentially Break Up can try and whip across with potentially Vow and Declare can be the others. But tracks still in the good four at this stage, Ned. They were true on Saturday in terms of the rail, now gone out to plus two, and they'll just gradually push it out as the carnival progresses over the four days. So looking forward to seeing how the track plays. It was heavily favoured on the inside on Saturday, especially going around those bend races. Up the straight, they were getting a few uh, lengths off the fence, but I just feel like it's going to be a similar story play out tomorrow. So we'll have to keep an eye on those first few races and times and also see when that rain uh, comes about, which is predicted later in the day. I reckon they were even coming down the middle in the straight races. That looked to be the best part of the track. I thought we're home affairs and the likes were coming. Uh, sorry, not home affairs. Shinzo was coming through. Shinzo. Was coming through. Looked like the worst part of the track. And those couple lanes close to the grandstand looked like the better lanes. We know yeah. what they do in the Melbourne Cup. They come 10, 11, 12 wide. So might not be the worst place to be sweeping down the middle again, especially now the second day of the carnival. But let's go through. So number one, obviously last year's winner is now a seven-year-old gold trip. McDonald takes the ride. Kieran Maher and David Eustace from gate two. 58 and a half kilos was it's just a kilo above what he had last year. So you'd have to think he's probably got to improve two lengths. I would have thought over 3,200 in my opinion though. And I'm sure you'll touch on it as well. He's going at least a length better than last year. I agree. I completely agree with that. I just think, and you know me with the weights, Ned, I, a kilo here or there. Yes. We're getting out in trip 3,200 meters. You have to sort of pay more attention as you step out further in trip, but, I'm just not a huge believer in weights. And I was sort of getting caught up in it last year when the horse carried 57 and a half. I'm like, okay, he's going really well. He's obviously a class animal. However, he's got 57 and a half. And I sort of talked myself out of it. He ended up winning at the price that he did last year and braining them in doing so. I think with him, his absolute best opportunity uh, will be if this rain comes early and the track gets softened up a little bit. And also there's a hot speed predicted because we know how he sprinted off that last year and just put the race to bed but like you touched on that he's going as well as he ever has coming into this only fangirl had a better last 600 meters in that cox plate which was the perfect dress for us rehearsal for him coming in wasn't it and he's come through that same pretty much the same map that kiramar and yusuf have laid out for him this prep 
Caulfield Cup run was enormous as well. And it looks like a pretty hot Caulfield Cup field this year. A lot of previous years, you look back and it's hard to sort of find the winners coming through that. But I feel like this year is really strong and you'll see that form stand up in the Melbourne Cup and also races beyond. So I think the quote that they've got him at at the moment, and we were chatting off, off air earlier, Ned, that they've started to lay him out a bit just towards that $758 dollars you might find around at the moment. I think that's over the odds, especially considering where he opened up. But I like J-Mac going on board now. I know that Zara's hopped off uh, without a fight. So there's obviously tactics involved and a bit of cat and mouse going on there. But you get a man who's just informed. Chances and he's going to be very, very hard to beat. I agree. He's absolutely flying. I really do believe what I said before in saying that he is going probably a length better than last year. I love what the stable have done with him. Like they've just said, we're not we're not going to do any training in this period. We're literally just going to run every weekend. They did it last year. And he said this year he gets a win in the Turnbull. He obviously ran third in the Caulfield Cup this year where he ran second last year, but just a far better race this year in terms of the quality. And I actually think he was a little bit unlucky that day. And then he's... Mm run at Mooney Valley in that Cox Plate back to 2000 was just, wow. I think if this race mm. was a wait-for-age race, he'd be seriously a $2.50 chance. And you, I think people get deterred by the 58.5 kilos. I don't know. I, don't, I think he's a horse that carries it. He's just a horse that carries the weight. The other deterrent yep. is this good track, which I'm not convinced that he's so poor on. I, I actually don't think he might be better on a soft track, but people are sort of saying this is why he's drifting, this is why he'll jump $9, which at the moment he's trending to do so. I think he's a massive chance. He's got the right man on board and obviously this stable, wow. Yeah, and gets back to Flemington and that Turnbull win where he was just simply electric over 2,000 metres was on a good deck. Yes, there was a bit of juice in it, but it only takes a little bit of rainfall for this sort of to get to a good four, soft five, depending on the amount of traffic that's been on there. So enormous chance. Number two, Alan Kerr, obviously Damien Oliver. It's going to be his last ride in a cup. Massive congratulations to him. He's obviously won a couple himself. So it'll be a pretty Cinderella story for him to go home with one in his last spring carnival. Mike Moroney, the trainer, gate nine and has 56 and a half kilos as our second top weight. He's currently $41. Um, look, I'm not sure about this bloke, but there has been a little bit of specking around 61s into 41s. What did you make of its chances? Well, they're clearly respecting him from a handicapping position. He's a Group 1 winner in UK. He just hasn't simply lived up to that sort of form once he's touched down on Australian soil. He has had excuses, and I look back to his last start in the Mooney Valley Gold Cup that was won by Cleveland. He got out the back. It was a pretty slowly run affair and couldn't get into it when the whips were cracking, but he looked like he had a lot to offer on the turn. He's also a horse that strikes me that will definitely uh, enjoy getting to the wide expanses of Flemington. I think the price is justified, though. Yes, they've been chipping away at him 60s into 40s, as you say. I don't think Ollie's going to be going out in his last Melbourne Cup winner, though. <laughs> it's pretty brutal when you put it like that, but it is true. I thought his Caulfield Stakes run was okay. And then, as you mentioned, his Mooney Valley Cup run was just okay again. He just battled on, and that seems to be what he does. I think he's a top half chance. I don't have him in my top five or six, though. Next horse, number three, without a fight, obviously the Caulfield Cup winner. And this bloke, well, he's absolutely flying. They've backed him into second favourite now. He's $7. Mark Zara has chosen this horse over his old mate, Gold Trip, which is just dramatic in itself to see if 
gold trip happens to knock him off, how he'd feel. Like, what did he say after the Caulfield Cup? I feel like I cheated on my missus in a way. <laughs> 56 and a half kegs, Anthony and Sam Friedman from gate 16, which is probably the sticky one. But where do you place the Caulfield Cup winner? Like his second favourite, I think he's unders now. I think so. He's certainly got the class to win. We know that. It's just about when you take money out of your pocket and you invest, you need to have 100% confidence, especially in a race like this, A, that the horse will run out the trip and B, more importantly, hasn't left his grand final last start in the Caulfield Cup, which I think is a genuine question mark considering how forward he was. And he was only second up that day. But I look at the way the Freemans have mapped out his campaign. And before even getting into that, the Freemans need to be commended for the job they've done with this horse. He obviously failed and failed pretty miserably at that in the cup last year after not running out the trip. But then the, the Freemans have picked him up. They took him up to Queensland to get those two kills where he just treated them with utter disdain and come back and obviously got the win in the Caulfield Cup. So he's going super well. He's going to be suited by the dry deck. I just look at the way his campaign's been mapped out. He obviously had that winter campaign in Queensland had the residual fitness coming into the spring, had three jump outs leading in. So he was always going to be really forward early in his campaign. So looking back on that, I can see why he was had that peak run in the, in the Caulfield Cup. My question mark with him is, is he now going to rebound off that now being third up? And he's third up, you know, stats read well. He's three, two from three with a minor as well. So reads very well. I just think he left his grand final in the Caulfield Cup. Obviously, has the class, and Zara has a lot, lot of work to do from that wide barrier. So, I need to oppose him tomorrow. I think they'd be silly not to come here after how well he went in the Caulfield Cup. But I do think that was the grand final. Was obviously on board that day. It was around that ten, eleven dollars, and now we're asked to take seven dollars in an extra eight hundred meters with another ten, probably better horses than there were than in the tail of that Caulfield Cup. I just think this is a bridge too far, especially at the price of $7. I just can't. I actually don't have him in my four or five, which feels a bit crook, but we've got the cash. We're going to pull out now and we're going to watch him run eight. That's what I'm sort of hoping. <laughs> are we Are we certain that he doesn't run the trip, Ned? Is that what we pinned him as, a 2,400-meter horse where he peaks and still has that brilliance over that trip? Well, I look at his last three runs. They've been 2,200 weight for age up in Queensland. 1,800 weight for age, the Underwood, and then 2,400 Caulfield Cup. I haven't seen it. Like, I don't know. And I don't know if... Yeah. I, I feel like this is a pretty quality cup. There's It's top six or seven are quite really good animals that get over 3,200. Do I want to be taking a horse I'm not sure about? Probably not. Yeah. I did have to have a look at it three or four times, especially last year's Melbourne Cup. And I was able to find a few excuses. It was obviously a wet deck that day, which... He just doesn't go as well on plain and simple. And it was a really hot speed where they just busted him open. He also came in without that Aussie campaign leading in. So if he's ever going to run out the trip, it's on a dry deck for the setup he gets tomorrow. So with all that being said, I'm still leaving him out, but I just can't you know, knock him in and the class that he has and the form that he's in. If anyone's going to invest on this horse, I, I can't uh, knock you at all. Agree, agree. Number four is the Japanese horse breakup. Obviously, Frosty Road last time, and this time we get Tatsuya Yoshioka and the and Kohai Matsuyama as the jockey. <laughs> How about that? I just wanted to say it because I thought I'd get a pretty good chance. <laughs> Gate 18, and we're getting 20 to 1 at the moment. His run in the Caulfield Cup was an interesting one. He ran eighth of the 18 that day, and look, he pretty much had to do all the donkey work, didn't he? And He's 
we spoke about his run leading into the Caulfield Cup, and sorry to go first here, but just rolling. Mm. It was 119 SP, 39, 50 SP, and 120 SP. Mm. And mind you, those horses that knocked him off, one of them was Equinox, which is one of the best horses that Japan's seen. Before, yep. he ran third and fourth in Group 1 races as well, and they were over 3,300. I just get the feeling, second up, this horse might be really ready to peak over 3,200 in the Melbourne Cup. He gets 55 kilos, and his second up record reads as seven starts for three wins and two seconds. It, there's just a sense of timing about him, I think. There is for sure, and they now bring the regular rider to come over and take the engagement, which is a big tip in itself. You wouldn't think that a guy's going to come halfway across the world for a horse that he's got a particular relationship with if they weren't coming here thinking they were a good chance. And we saw the Japanese get the chocolates with uh, Oban Buramai and the Golden Eagle. Yes, it's a different race, but this is the sort of ilk of that horse that comes over and is targeted to these races. And off the back, I, I agree, off the back of the Caulfield Cup, it didn't appear to be his target race especially considering you look at that 3,000 plus record that you mentioned before, he's got group one form in Japan over that trip. So there'll be no question marks about it at all. He's definitely a stayer. He's dower. He's a grinder. He's not going to have that turn of foot or brilliance if they sort of stack them up and try and sprint off the corner. So he'll enjoy it if they roll along, say Vorban, Serpentine, these horses put a bit of speed in and he's able to keep grinding away off that tempo. I've got him rock hard in my numbers. I think he's over the odds at the moment. He was well-backed in the Caulfield Cup being first up. So I wonder how the market's going to treat him coming into tomorrow. But I agree, Ned. I think that 8 out of 18 reads a lot worse than it actually was when you go back and look at it. He did a lot of work getting into the race and put on a really big mid-race squeeze to get West Wind blows and without a fight into the race. He basically dragged those runners in, did all the donkey work, and then obviously compounded. And not to mention, he was caught up in that little bit of interference with Gold Trip as well, which sort of put an end to his race. He wasn't going to run top three, but five and a half lengths, you're probably getting a bigger price now because of that. So I agree. I think he's over and he's well and truly in my numbers. He's rock hard in mine as well, which we'll find out at the end. I think he's a massive, massive chance. And these Japanese horses, when they come over here, they're just a length or two better than ours usually. And this distance yep. change, there's big ticks everywhere. Now, look, the horse that everyone's talking about and was talking about probably until this week was Vorban. He's number five. Willie Mullins is the trainer. Ryan Moore comes over after a massive meeting that he had over in America over the weekend in the Breeders' Cup. He's just about the best jockey in the world at the moment as well. There's a few guys in this race that did have something to say about that, but he really is a strong jockey. 55 kilos and gate three. Jacko, Steyer, Hurdler, everything you can think of leading into this for strength, he's got. For sure. He's got the strong rider as well. If you watch Ryan Moore, the way he rides, especially uh, horses that are up on top of the speed, how he's able to sustain a gallop, I think he's just going to suit this horse down to the ground and obviously has ridden him back home as well. So comes in in form. It's the right man to be piloting this horse. And I can see why the market's gravitated towards him. It's that sort of Northern Hemisphere horse that's relatively lightly raced, coming in in good form. Even though he doesn't necessarily bring the Group 1 and Group 2 form, they feel like they must have dodged the handicapper a little bit here because he's got some hurdle form over 4,000 metres. So there's no question marks at all about the trip. You're not worried about that. You can tick that box straight off. You've got the gun rider and you've got Willie Mullins as well. Let's not forget the trainer who's got a couple in this and I think it's a pretty good two-pronged attack coming in. So I see why the market's gravitated towards him. If you look at you know the trip, 3,200 metres in particular, he's five starts and yet to miss the top three. 
two wins, two seconds and a, and a third. So all the stats read well. You have to leave him in. I wouldn't be surprised if Ryan Moore leaves well enough and leads his field up. If he steps, you know, length better than, say, Serpentine on the inside and he's able to cross that horse, wouldn't surprise me at all if they do go ahead and lead. But I'd say if they had their choice now, they'd probably just have that one at one back trail or maybe just sit on the fence and put him to sleep. But he's going to be very, very hard to beat. The only knock, or let's just say pouring water a bit on the fire in terms of the form, that that um, race where the stable made absurd and also Valiant King, uh, it was a seven and a half length romp basically where he stacked them up on the corner and booted away from them. Valiant King's come over and run in the Caulfield Cup and was beaten comprehensively over five lengths. So does that pour a bit of water over the form? We'll have to see, but I'm keeping him in purely on class, purely on the jockey engagement. He's going to be hard to beat for sure. I've got him rock hard in my numbers. I think now he's getting to a more backable price of $4.60 as well. I think the combination that he gets in Moore and Mullins is just huge. Gate three, he can do whatever he wants from there. If he wants to lead, if he steps well, he can. If he wants to take a snag back and there's a little bit of a hot speed with the likes of Serpentine, as you mentioned, I actually think this guy's the one that's going to suit all conditions. If it's a sit and sprint, he can do it. If it's if they go hard in front, he'll be strong late because he has that distance form. I know you're not big on weights, but something that I really like to read is this horse has carried 75, 74, 75, 61, and 61 in its five recent runs. 55, he might feel like a new horse. So I think this horse is going to be full of running. I love the 3,200 meter, 3, meter form. I think he's a massive chance. I've got him well and truly in my numbers. Number six, Sulcum is our next runner. Look, this guy, he's taken a little bit to get sort of going again. But now that he's had this sort of one or two preparations in Australia, he's just absolutely airborne. His five runs in the last sort of three to four months have just all been fantastic. His worst run of late has been seventh and it was probably his best run of the lot. That's Sulcum. He's number six, Chris Waller. Joey Marrera comes over 53 and a half kilos and gate four. Jack, I'm going to leave this one to you, mate, because I know you're a massive fan of this bloke. Yeah, and despite that patchy form over the last 12 months, they've always kept him hard in the market ever since he first stepped out in Australia and brained them over 2,400 metres. The big advantage for this horse is he's finally getting back to Flemington, where we know he enjoys it. He's going super this campaign in particular. And you look back to that win over at Caulfield over 1,700 metres where he showed his brilliance finishing off hard, where Shin sort of weaved in between the pack and, and got through. That sort of screamed the intent for this campaign for me that Waller had this horse turned up and was ready to play. So I just think he's a very, very big chance. And I look at his Caulfield Cup run where he settled out the back and he just, he hasn't been leaving well enough, unfortunately, which has sort of put him at a disadvantage and he has to do so much work just to get in touch with those first three or four. And he was one that just absolutely put on a massive mid-race squeeze just to get himself anywhere near the, the leaders that day or even the front pack and still finished off pretty well. Another one that copped interference, and yes, it was a messy Caulfield Cup, plenty of excuses for a few of them, but he got caught up in some interference as well and got held up and then got the momentum stopped, and basically that was the end of his race. He still finished off well after that, but another one that I think the margin looked a lot worse than the run actually was. So I think he's slightly over, hovering around that $10 mark. If we can keep those double digits for him, I think he's a very big chance. He's just got to tick that 3,200-metre tick that box, but he's got the perfect foundation coming in this prep, and he's obviously got Waller on his side. Joe Marrera's ridden five. As much as he's not one of mine, he's ridden five winners in Japan on Saturday. So another jockey coming in form, and I think the right man to step on this horse's back. 
Just lastly, a couple of gear changes with, with him, which has sort of sent me over the top. They've taken out the synthetic hood filler no longer. And they're also taking the blinkers off him, hoping that he steps well out of the barriers. So if he leaves midfield, he's going to be very hard to beat. He's my on-top selection. Huge, isn't it? On-topper, Solcom. Look, his run was ab absolutely super. I, I don't have much to add. You asked me before the podcast, is he going to be in my numbers? Do I have him in there? And I'll have to leave you on a cliffhanger. He could be. He might not be. But you may have done <laughs> some convincing work. Number seven is the next horse. This is absurd. He's coming out of similar form. Similar trainer to Vauban, or Vauban, sorry. Probably not as high profile as Vauban is. Zach Purton takes the ride here, 53 kilos from gate eight. Look, this horse won the Ebor, and that's been a massive form reference coming into a Melbourne Cup of late. I know his run behind Vauban breeds is seven lengths or something behind him, but they absolutely trundled along in that race. That was an absolute yep. walk in the park that day. I think he's a bit of a chance, but gee whiz, the money's been nonstop. $19 into eight fifty now. Well, looking at the market this morning, you could definitely make a case for an investment on him, but they've just chipped away at him all day and I just don't think it's a play anymore. Yes, he was unlucky in that run and it was a boat race completely where Vorban led them up and just booted away. And he was held up at the top of the straight and once he got out, he ran well. But at the end of the day, it's still seven and a half lengths. It wasn't two or three lengths where you know, you're still within some sort of touch to the radar for the leader. I just think considering that between the two of them, I'm heavily in the stable mate's corner. So leaving him out despite Purton being engaged. Number eight is right. You are the seven-year-old. Uh, he gets Johnny Allen, the big fella, 53 kilos and Kieran Maher and David Eustace from 15. He absolutely ran out of his skin. Let's be honest in the Caulfield Cup. That is as good as this horse can go. He was really good in those benchmark hundreds, listed sort of grades. He stepped it up to group three grades. I don't think he can get a kill at this level. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Just completely ran out of his skin in the cup. Um, I got question marks with the trip with him as well. So that's another thing there. I just don't think he's going to trouble the big dogs, despite having that sort of dream fairy tale story for the connections coming in here. So well done to them getting him here. But I think that's about as far as he'll get. Our next runner is number nine, Vow and Declare. Obviously won a cup previously, this guy. Now an eight-year-old. Billy Egan, 53 kilos. Danny O'Brien and draws gate 19. Look, I'm just going to go off the cuff here, Jacko, and I hope that's okay. But this bloke is going as good as ever. And I really do mean that. I actually think he might be going better than he was when he won one. And that, just, that's, that seems insane to say. His runs, this preparation have been fantastic. I thought his run behind Alligator Blood um, in those conditions over 2,000 metres to run second was just exceptional. And then he came out, had a nice little tick over over 2,500 in the Mooney Valley Cup. Thought he was really, really solid again there. And he leads in here, I think, really good chance. He's, he's what, $34 or something ridiculous at the moment. I really think he's a good place bet. I don't know what you think, but... Yeah, he just hasn't put a foot wrong this campaign at all. And I'm probably with you. He's going just as well as he ever has. Maybe he doesn't have that same brilliance just on pure class and ability-wise as he did four years ago. But you have to respect the way he's going. I've got him pinned as a, a solid top six chance. I think you have to have him around in your exotics. And I know there's a few people around playing top tens and that sort of thing. I just think he's an absolute lock for top ten the way he's going. Even with the barrier, Billy Egan's going pretty well. I just think, yeah, he's a, he's a lock for top 10. I don't I don't see him troubling the top two or three in terms of class-wise. I think it's a really good cup this year, whereas his cup probably wasn't a vintage edition looking back on it now. 
But you look back to back for his Caulfield stakes behind, you know, Alligator Blood is going superb over 2,000 metres. Deny Knowledge busting them open that day. And this horse just kept coming. Just he's an absolute grinder, as we know. And then the Mooney Valley Cup run where he was wide throughout. He was uh, he had future history on his back the whole time and never let that horse go past him at any point up the straight. So he's tough and going really, really well coming in. So solid top six chance for mine. Completely agree. Completely agree. I think the good track's a good thing for him as well. Number 10, Cleveland, obviously coming off the Moon Valley Cup win where he knocked off Fowl and Declare and made that real swooping swooping run late with J-Mac aboard. He doesn't get J-Mac here because it's 52 kilos and J-Mac would have to do about 500 steam room sessions to get down to that weight. <laughs> Mickey D can. Apparently he likes broccoli. So Chris Lee's Mickey D, 52 kegs and gate 23. Going to have a task on his hands from there, 23. I think correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Cross Counter won it from 23 a couple of years ago, which mm. crook. really good run, I thought, in the Mooney Valley Cup. Like, he sort of, there were horses out in front that were doing a lot of work compared to him, but he just left his run late and had a really nice burst of finish. Is he a chance or no? I think he's a chance of outperforming his quote. Do I think he's a chance of winning? No. Do I think he's a chance of top three? No. Maybe top 10, I think, for him. And he was a solid run in, in Sydney two starts ago before his Mooney Valley Cup triumph. So he is going well. And it was a great backmarking steer from J-Mac last time out. Like you say, going to take a very, very big uh, ride from D to come across here and, and, you know, get him going. But I look back to this horse's run overseas, um, you know, where he's four lengths beaten by Mr. Waterville over 3,300. So just... I'm actually going to stop you. He's been scratched. He's out. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Five. 551. Well, there's our first winner of the day. He's not going to run top 10. You <laughs> didn't have a cent on, but I get it all back, which is fantastic. Don't you love that? Sorry to sorry to jump on you there, but I thought, geez, if he keeps talking in facts like I know he can, he might go for two minutes about a horse that doesn't exist. <laughs> Number 11 is Ashran. Now, this horse ran super in the Geelong Cup, and he was a, I don't think, no, if he was favorite, it was around that $5 mark in that race. Ashran won his way into this race. Look, gate 11, McAvoy. He's got a great record in this race, Kieran McAvoy. He's won three in recent times. 51.5 kilos for Kieran Maher and David Eustace. Not for me. He's very genuine, this horse. And you look back to 2020, he won the Lexus on the Saturday to get into the Melbourne Cup, where he also ran very, very, very well that day as well. And he was getting stronger as the race went on, which is insane to say off that speed that they ran that year. He then had a three-year layoff. I'm not sure. I haven't looked into what the issues were, whether it was a connection change or whatever the story was. But he's had three years off and then, you know, culminated in him resuming in September. And he's built the revs nicely through this spring campaign. And I think he arrives in pretty good form. I just don't think he's going to be a chance of beating the, you know, the better three or four or five in the market at the top there. I think it's all about those top in the market. You can't toss him out from a top 10 perspective, though, and you know he's going to stay the trip. Sure, it's the right training pair. We know what they did with a horse like High Emotion last year and they just always seem to find a roughie that runs in the top five or six. So maybe Ashran is one of them. I just don't think he's up to the top class of this field. Number 12, Darshan Sweet Jr. for Stokes and Stackhouse, 51.5 kilos, gate 12. This horse has won races on uh, across the mile and all the way up to 3,200 metres. But I don't know if a race like this, like coming, it was, it was well... He was actually kept pretty safe 
in that Herbert Power. He, they sort of, mm. they thought he was a bit of a chance that day. That was a really, really weak field, in my opinion. There wasn't a lot, a whole lot of depth to that. But he ran fourth that day. I don't see this guy giving this race a shake. For sure. I think the quote's justified for him, but he is one that you can have certainty will run out this trip. He ran six in this race last year and was enormous, but that's about as good as he can go. He wasn't going any better last year than he was this year. He's a, he patches his runs a little bit, but then tends to find a peak run once he gets out of this trip. He's also won an Adelaide, Adelaide Cup over 3,200 metres. So certainly got the 3,200-metre the form franked. I can see him running top half, but I don't, I don't think he'll be threatening the better types. Number 13 is Akita Sushi or Saushi. Joseph O'Brien, Dylan Gibbons. You thought it was a Japanese horse. Well, you thought wrong. I think this horse actually runs over in England, mainly England and Ireland. 51.5 kilos, gate 20. Look, he ran in the Caulfield Cup as well. He ran around 12th or 13th in that race and was sort of a $31 chance in behind them all. His form coming over was actually handy enough. He won one, uh, two of his last four, but then sort of went once he came over here, found a little bit of trouble in the Caulfield Cup and just wasn't brilliant. Again, I'm not going to knock the form because I don't have a massive idea of it, but I wouldn't have thought he'd be winning this. Yeah, I think the run in the Caulfield Cup was a lot better than it actually looked and reads on paper. He settled at the back, didn't step well enough and did a ton of work similar to Solcombe just to get himself into the race. If you're taking him on SP, he was 30s that day in the Caulfield Cup and didn't have many supporters that day. You're now getting 90s in the Melbourne Cup and wasn't able to get in touch with any of those first three or four in the market. So you can see why they've laid him out. You've also looked at a gate 20 for him. So more than likely, they're going to get all the way back with him and he's going to need a lot to go right just to get in touch with those, you know, first 10 uh, in terms of the field going forward. So he's got 3,200 metre form. He is one from one, but that was on the synthetic over in the UK, as he said. So hard to get a guide on that, but I can see him figuring, just not sure about top five or six chance. Number 14, Shiraz, one of Waller's uh, rougher chances, you could say, Bo Merton's aboard 51 and a half kilos. The horse does have a win over 3,000 metres, which is always a tick, but 126 to 1, they haven't missed it. But a lot of people were tipping this horse as a roughie, I believe, last year. Was it last year in the Cup? I think it was yeah, a bit cool, I, I, though, but yeah, not for yeah. me. Yeah, it ran okay in the Mooney Valley Cup, but I just don't think it's going well enough to feature here. Number 15 is Last Ochkar. Hopefully I've said that right. Mick Price and Michael Kent Jr., Craig Williams, 51 kilos. Now, fun fact, and I shouldn't take this off yeah. Actually, do you want to enlighten the fans what the fun fact about this horse is? Uh, that she's the only mare in the field? Yes, that's exactly there it. You go. She's the only there mare in this field. I didn't want to take that because that is yours, so I didn't want to you know, <laughs> copyright there. 51 kilos. She's won at 3,100 as well. She comes into this with a win and a couple of placings in her last four or five runs. Um, usual jockey, obviously not coming over for this and 51 kilos does him no favours, but they seem to be thinking this horse is a chance. It's hard to put a marker on her in terms of her recent form. She's an Oaks winner in France and gets all the way up to 3,100, as you said. So that trip uh, sort of box is ticked and she does create a bit of intrigue after dodging the handicapper and getting Willow aboard. So you're getting the right man on board at the lightweights and it's very hard to find a senior jock who's able to get down there. So big advantages there. Another one that's drawn a poor barrier. So you'd expect them to get back and take medicine. So a lot is going to need to go right for them to 
get into the race when they need to. Rain would certainly assist her chances. I just think if it's staying in the good four, potentially upgrade if it's a rock hard track again, is going to probably dash her chances. I don't think she's hopeless, but if the rain comes early, let's say if there's a soft six or soft seven, she would have been in my numbers. But if this rain doesn't come, I've got to leave her out, unfortunately. Her wet form does read very, very well compared to her good form. She's lightly raced though, so there's always a few question marks when that happens, but Craigie's going to have a big task from gate 21. Number 16 is Magical Lagoon. Oh, my God. I can't believe we've done this. We actually owe an apology. I can't believe that. After, after we've just said there's one mare in the race, the next horse is a fucking mare. How good's that? <laughs> that is. Well, it won't, it won't be running anywhere near them anyway. So the only mare that's a chance. There we go. Let's just leave it there for Magical Lagoon and Mark Duplessis on board. <laughs> Number 17, Military Mission. Look, two wins on the board. Sorry, Rachel King rides 51 kilos. Gay and Adrian, how can you knock this stable at the moment? My God. Gate five on top of the ground is going to be the key for this horse. Obviously, goes really well when on top of the ground. And look, you have to say, three of its last five runs, it's actually put some wins together, albeit those SPs have been those double figures or eight, nine dollars. Bit of a chance, in my opinion. It's it's not a chance to win, but it's it's top half chance, in my opinion. I think I think the price is wrong. What are we looking at at the moment? We're looking at not $26. So that, yeah, that probably is about right. I saw 61s earlier today. So mm. $26. The horse is going okay. I didn't mind the horse when it ran the other day in the Herbert Power. Thought it was a chance that day. Obviously went on to win. Joey Marrera was on board that day. We get Rachel King in 51 kilos here and you just can't knock the stable. Yeah, going well this prep and obviously was solid in the Metrop either side of those two wins. So deserves his chance to line up in this field. They've also given him a tick over trial to get ready for his first look beyond 2,400. I just think with that being the case, it's a different level of pain barrier once you get out to this trip. He's going to be the first one that's getting the stitch, I think. So I've got genuine question marks about this horse running 32. Number 18 is Serpentine, Gay and Adrian. Again, Jai McNeil aboard, 51 kilos, gate one. You'd have to think from gate one, Jai would just be pushing the button and going as far forward as possible. His form doesn't read as too bad at all. His third in the Bart Cummings was handy enough. Um, obviously fourth before that over 2,500 as well. They've seemed to have stepped him up in Trippy's last three runs in preparation for this. He's rock hard fit. I just don't think he has the class for this race. He could be a potential speed influence going forward, as you say, and does wreak a little bit of twilight payment before obviously having that Aussie campaign. So, you know, you get the, the man on board, John McNeil again, who might be able to just lead in control. So if there's any sort of bias going on, he definitely comes into your calculations. But He's just coming through those inferior form lines and I think he's going to be, uh, you know, one of the first beat once the heat comes on. Virtuous circle, your mate, Craigie knew it, 51 kilos, Liam Howley, gate six. It's a shame, but he just hasn't come up this prep. I've stuck my neck out a few times for this horse, but he just got not going well at all this prep. I'll just have to leave him out. I think the quote's well and truly justified. <laughs> I know how much that would have hurt you to say as well. So Fuck me, dude. <laughs> More felons is number 20. Oh, I got to compose. More felons, number 20, Jamie Carr. She got back on the board on the weekend. Can you believe that? Like she hasn't ridden mm. for months. She hasn't ridden well for months and she's knocked me off twice. Jamie Carr, 
50 and a half kilos. Chris Waller, gate 24. Look, ran fifth in the Geelong Cup, coming out of that Ebor, which we mentioned before. The horse ran eighth in that race in behind. I believe it was absurd. Um, mm. I don't know much about the horse, mate, to be honest. It was settled back and was a big run in the Geelong Cup first up run in Australia. So sneaks into the field, obviously at the light weight and does get car. They've drawn 24 of 24. So you think more than likely they're getting back. Goes under the wings of Walla, as we know, he's just the supreme trainer. He's going to have three or four live chances going in. I just think they're going to settle near last from that barrier. And I'm just not sure where they're going to be and if they're going to have the right blend into the race from there. So I just think too many question marks uh, off the back of that. Number 21, future history, another runner for Mara and Eustace. Holly Doyle comes over to ride in a cup. I can't remember if she's ridden in many before, but I would have thought this would be one of her first. I think it's her first. There you go. 50 kilos, gate 13. Look, the horse is tough, tough as nails, real on pace sort of type. Gate 13, they'll probably get to choose where they want to go. The preparation's been fantastic. Do I think this horse is an $18 chance in our Melbourne Cup? Absolutely not. Was aided by a bit of bias and to obviously punch the ticket into the cup in the Bart Cummings. That was a day where just horses weren't making up much ground at all in those Ben races. So I think it was flattered by that a little bit. And then going to the Mooney Valley Cup, potentially they were already in and, and just thought, you know what, we're just going to have the semi-final run and be a little bit flat. Still ran well, but it obviously had the tag on Val and Declare the whole way and had the chance to run that horse down, but just couldn't over the concluding stages. Even though it was wide, it still had cover. So I think enough excuses there. I'm happy to leave out. I just think it's well and truly too short, as you say. You know, they're going to have a bit of options. They're going to be somewhere thereabouts. I just can't see it running top 10. Number 22 is interpretation. Obviously got its ticket into this by winning the Bendico Cup over 2,400. Teo Nugent is fifth with 50 kilos, another Marin Eustace and seven gate 17. Look, watching that run in the Bendigo Cup, it was super and it was really hard in the market that day at $2.70. I just don't think that they can make a step up here. Well, it broke a two and a half year drought in that Bendigo Cup. So, and I think looking back to last year as well with high emotion, you can no longer just ride off that form anymore. If you get a horse that's jogging on the spot and in form, you can't write them off running a big race. And we saw that with horses like Emissary and uh, obviously High Emotion, as I say, last year. So can't write the form off. I just would struggle to see this horse getting anywhere near the finish this year. And I look back to last year, he failed to finish without any bet abnormalities. So happy to leave him out. Bellapore backs up from the weekend, obviously winning the Archer Stakes for Ollie there. That was a really big win. Um, back up straight to Tuesday here. So we got Zach Lloyd on board, 50 kilos, Chris Lees and gate 14. They're just having a throw at the stumps really, aren't they? They are. The horse is going very well. And you look back to his Metro run, which was full of merit, even though he didn't get anywhere near the, the first two that day. I do have question marks around that form, but obviously deserves his spot off the back of Saturday. Another one that was aided by some pretty heavy on speed and lane bias on the weekend. So I think, again, that was flattering for him and, and won't see him running uh, top half of mine. Good deck's probably the key for him, and he is flying. So I can see if he has some place place bet fans. And our last runner, who will probably go hard out in front, number 24, True Marvel, Matt Smith and Ben Thompson, 50 kilos, gate 10. No. I think you have to start running now. <laughs> what a lovely way to finish. Um, now, look. 
there's a million different ways to play this race. And I'm not, I would never deter anyone from their formula, whether that's because you like the colours, you like the name, you like the jockey, gate, well, I don't know, you name it, whatever you like. If you picked it out of a hat and you said, yep, if it's your granddad's dog's son's middle name that happens to have a starting letter with a V and you like Vorband because of that, <laughs> sure, go for it. But what I want from you, Jackson, I want a top right. Top four, mate, and we'll get into how we're actually playing the race, but I tossed and turned with the first two in my markets. Sulcum just has to go on top. He's still at those double digits at the moment or thereabouts. You can boost and play at the totes, as you say, and we'll get into how we actually play when we get into tomorrow. But I just think that run in the Caulfield Cup was enormous. We're getting a bigger price because he did miss the jump that time. They've taken the blinkers off with the intention that they're going to step better this time and allow him to anticipate the start you get Joe Marrera on board, who's going to give him the dig out of the gates. If they can get him midfield, his turn of foot, he'll have that brilliance over the last 600 metres. I think regardless of the race pressure, he'll be right there in the finish. So he's on top for me. Goal trip, I tossed and turned whether I'd have him top pick. As they start to lay him out more and more, I just need to be having a good investment on him and be winning on the race if he does get up and go back to back. Only gets a kilo worse off from his win last year and potentially going better by multiple lengths going in this year. The ultimate campaign coming in, the ultimate training combination as well that's looking after him. So J-Mac has a good chance again this year. Break up, I know you've got an opinion of this horse coming in as well. I think it's going to rebound hard off the Caulfield Cup run. Just had to drag them into the race, those winners that day, and didn't get a whole lot of luck up the straight. I think he's going to rebound hard, getting up to his ideal trip, staying on the firm deck, and regular rider now booked. Lastly, Vorban, I have to leave in. It's going to be up there on the speed, and it's going to be hitting the, the you know, depending on race pressure, it's going to be the first one to hit the lead and look like the winner at some stage up the straight. So it's the one that's going to be up there with the action and the one they're all going to have to run down. But Sulcum on top, gold trip, break up, and then ball bend. We've got break up on top here, $19 chance. I think that Caulfield Cup run would just be enough of a fitness run to harden him for this. I think this was the plan all along. He's got a brilliant second up record. He brings the elite Japan form and that dry deck's going to be a real, real tick for him. He gets his usual rider coming over as well for the ride, which I think is a massive plus. No knock on Frosty, but there's just something about having affiliations with horses. I think $19 and $5.50 is well and truly over the odds. And just with a few of the ones tighter in the market, sort of five, six, $7 chances, I just want to look a little bit wider in a cup. I'm going to take the $19. Vorban is the one that I'm going to put in second position. I just think in terms of 3,200 tick, this horse is fit and firing. He's obviously a hurdler. Something really interesting I found out about this horse is that this has been a two-year plan, albeit. Whether you, whether you think that this is a conspiracy or not, it's been a two-year plan leading into this. And the reason they ran this horse, and Mullins loves to do this, the reason they ran this horse over the hurdles was to ensure he didn't get an actual massive handicap leading into this. I don't know if you've heard the same as this, but... That's why they've run this horse over the hurdles and they've said, we are going to run this horse in the Melbourne Cup and he's going to go and win one. I'll have to leave him in. I don't like listening to too much external noise, but it does make sense when you look at those hurdle races. Like, why would you go that direction and then come down here for a cup? Vow and declare, he's going as good as ever. I think the price that you're getting for him at the moment, I think you can get $34 on some sites. He's a top five chance for sure. And I'm going to be having him in my Quinellas, which I'll touch on a little bit later. And then I toss between Gold Trip, Absurd, and Sulcum. 
I've ended up going with Gold Troop. I just think he's going way too good to leave out of my top four, only rising a kilo from last year. And I think that equates to about a length, a length and a half, in my opinion. I think he's going that much better this year, albeit a stronger field than last year's edition. But he's a big chance. He's been going super. So my top four break up, Vorban, Van de Clare and Gold Trip. Jackson, final question for you before we let the listeners go and have dinner or breakfast or whatever they're having. How do you play the race? Like, do you play first fours, trifectas? Do you play a mix of the lot? Do you back eight of them? What do you do? Firstly, I think in terms of where you're actually investing, the totes is the way to go. Because of the amount of money invested and the pool of money that goes into this, you're just quite simply going to have more value on the totes, just purely just on, on dollar value investment. So that's where I'm going first. I would have three bets in this race. I just think Vorban is too short for mine at the moment. If I've got a five in front of his name, I might be starting to play then. But despite everything you said, I just need to leave him out from an investment point of view. But I'd have, let's just say I got $100 if we're playing that. I'm probably having 30, 30, 30. So 30 gold trip, uh, 30 breakup, 30 sulcum. So good collects either way with breakup being that biggest result. And just having a 10 Quinella as well, throwing ball band in, or a trifecta, I should say, throwing ball band in, potentially a first ball, just for a bit of fun and a bit of value. Love it, mate. I've always played Quinellas in the cup and it's always been something that's worked for me. So I'm going to play Quinellas 5, 3, 1, 7, 4, 9 and 6. Those are the numbers. I'm not going to read all the names out. You know exactly what we think of the race. I always throw a tiny trifecta on with those numbers as well. And then I back my top two. So I'll back break up and I'll back Vorban. I'll probably have something on Vow and Declare, let's be honest. So yes, I'm heading down to Commonwealth Bank after this to ensure that they're going to give me 15k to be able to play after the weekend's wipeout. Um, <laughs> yeah, still recovering currently. Only just got off a drip from the hospital after how crook I was after seeing Private Eye go down. But we'll recap that on Thursday night leading into Saturday Stakes Day. Legends, do not forget, there's still two days after the Cup. So this, mm. is, this is a four-day carnival. You have to keep the powder going. If you've lost early, me and Jacko were talking before, Usually you win on Derby Day and then you just give it back day by day and you end up where you started or probably worse for wear. This time it's the other way around and I don't mind chasing tail. Who knows? Um, mate, good luck on the weekend. Hope things go well. It's on the rebound, mate. It's on the rebound, mate. I can't wait. We'll throw some tip sheets up. So keep an eye out for that tomorrow. We'll have uh, the big dance card covered down in Sydney as well. So, Looking forward to it, mate. And we might throw an Oaks tip sheet up as well. I think Zardozzi going to be extremely hard to beat on Thursday. So let's see how we go. My God, wasn't it a run? All the best. Good luck if you're having a punt, sweep, whatever you do. See you later. Good luck, punters. Enjoy Cup Day.